Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you, your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals, and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling, and full of joy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash order. And on today's show, I have the beautiful Nicole Barton. I met Nicole through a friend and Nicole is a life mentor and helps people to find freedom from suffering through self-rediscovery by workshops, global retreats and one-to-ones. She speaks of facilitates leading well-being centers and festivals including balance festival rest festival the awakening nourish mind more yoga life center and hello love and has appeared on radio and podcasts including talk radio's badass women's hour jack radio's wellness hour beach held af 360 conversations and honesty cat she's also been included in psychology's magazine and soul and spirit magazine among many many others and what i loved about our conversation was the truth and honesty of what Nicole had been through with her chronic fatigue. Now, for those of you that have had chronic fatigue or know of somebody that's had chronic fatigue, then this is going to be a wonderful episode. I hope at least my takeaways have been how it's possible for us to listen to the wisdom that's inside our body, that we don't need to see our illness as something to be scared of, but more as a way for us to come back to basics and listen and tune into what's already there. So if you are someone that suffered from chronic fatigue, if you're somebody that's suffering with any kind of chronic illness, then this is going to be a great episode for you in being able to see beyond your illness and hopefully hear something in what we say for you to change the way that you view it. So welcome everybody and on today's show I have the beautiful Nicole. Um, Nicole reached out to me through a mutual friend Phil who's also been on the show and when I read her story around chronic fatigue I was really curious about her journey and um, how she came through it the other side and anybody listening that's experienced chronic fatigue or maybe even has kids who've got chronic fatigue um, I thought this would be a great show as we haven't even touched on it so yeah welcome Nicole. Thank you very much for having me I'm excited to see what comes out this conversation and uh, where it goes. So Nicole tell me a little bit about your journey with with chronic fatigue and, and you know how it all started. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I might start with a bit of a backstory with that because um, I have had chronic fatigue twice in my life, actually. So I first had it when I was 10 years old, which is, I suppose, a little bit unusual at that age to kind of burn out. (laughs) Um, But I kind of suffered with a lot of different things throughout my childhood. Um, You know, when I was four and it was my first day of school, my dad left. Um, 
And it was also the same week that we were due to pick up my uh, adopted sister, Mariana, from Romania, who sadly never, never got to, ca- to come because um, the family kind of then, you know, didn't have a stable base. So um, so I think what happened in that was I then began to attribute the meaning that I wasn't enough um, and that I needed to be more. So I spent a lot of my childhood always striving. So I think that's probably what then led me to kind of burning out um, because I had a lot of thinking about, about all of that and about being being enough and so I I was unable to walk for an, for a year and missed a year of school um and at that time, I kind of got carted around to various different psychologists and um, psychiatrists, different uh, mental health specialists to kind of basically fix me, I guess, <laughs> ultimately. Um, and so that was very much the message that I was I was hearing with that. Um, and eventually, it did all kind of settle down, and I I got some sort of normality back. Um, but then, when I was age twenty three, um, I was in a very demanding job, and and. I got ill again. So again, I was unable to walk and I really burnt out. So f- for those who don't necessarily know much about chronic fatigue, it basically meant that I was extremely exhausted, um, couldn't get out of bed by myself. You know, when I was 10, I was actually wheeled around on, a, on an office chair around the house because I couldn't walk. Um, so it's quite a debilitating thing. Um, yeah, so, so it was it was interesting. Um, but eventually I did kind of get, get better. But when it, when it happened, I had lost my job. And, and being the type of person that had kind of picked up from an early age, the idea that I needed to strive, I found myself very quickly kind of diving into self-help when I, when I was about 23. And so, again, kind of following that needing to fix myself, I, I kind of explored all the various different modalities. So I trained as a reflexologist, I trained in aromatherapy and uh, Reiki and, you know, all the different things, homeopathy, and, and then eventually traveled even to Bali to learn yoga and meditation. Um, and all that time I was still kind of struggling with my illness but when I was in Bali I kind of dropped out my head a little bit um and although I hadn't come across the principles at that point I thought I'd found my inner peace (laughs) so I was quite smugly you know feeling feeling better um and then and then I got home and it, it felt like that inner peace had gone until I came across the principles. Um, and what I realized when I came across the principles was that actually what had happened in Bali was I just dropped out of my head. And so whilst it really looked like it was the meditation or, you know, whatever I was doing that was helping me to be fixed, it was just the fact that I thought that I was okay because I was doing those things that had helped. So the biggest insight I guess I really had was that I didn't need fixing actually and that we're not broken in the first place. Um, and that was like a, Oh, <laughs> that was a real moment of kind of insight for me. So how long ago was this? Um, so I was about 23 when I, um, got ill again. So that was about 10 years ago. Um, and then it was a couple of years of kind of exploring self-help and then, and then eventually I ended up in Bali maybe five years ago. And so what have you seen since then? I mean, I'm curious because, of course, you said um, you were looking for uh, answers. So anybody that's on here listening and going, right, well, I've got chronic fatigue or I know somebody that has, mm-hmm. um, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it's um, about what I saw. What I saw, I think, was 
was really the strongest thing was seeing that I was always okay. Um, and it was kind what, of like, what do you mean by that? I guess that there's always this wisdom. So I didn't really trust that my body was sorting itself out, I guess. No. Whereas when I kind of realized that everything was created by thought and that actually the body had a, a, its own kind of intelligence. And if we started to leave that alone a little bit and not worry about it, because I had an, an awful lot of anxiety about my health. You know, when I suffered with chronic fatigue, I was always in my in my head about it. I would constantly monitor my energy. Um, and so I was always thinking and very anxious about the fact that I would always be ill. You know, I'd never be able to have full energy. And, and I spent a lot of time in my head. And as I began to understand how the mind works and seeing that that was kind of made up and it was thought in the moment and that it would pass. And sometimes it looked that way. And sometimes it didn't look that way. Sometimes it looked like I had loads of energy um kind of seeing that helped me see helped me kind of drop out of that I guess and so the anxiety once I saw how it was created um and that it was just anxious thoughts kind of fell away by itself leaving me to see that actually my body had a wisdom one of the favorite things I remember hearing is um that we don't tell our hearts how to beat and we don't tell our lungs how to breathe and that kind of spoke to me because it's like oh my body's kind of trying to bring me back to balance if I just leave it alone and the more I allow it to do that the more I am able to kind of heal and what comes to mind because I I recently well I uh, recently worked with Dr Bill Pettit who's also been on the show Mm -hmm. one of the things that keeps coming to mind when I'm hearing you speak is when he talks about story about this woman who um, was in bed for 20 hours a day Mm. and because she was suffering from depression but the thing is is the 20 hours of sleeping a day that she was doing was actually saving her life in other Mm. words um that's 20 hours of her day that she wasn't actually um revving up her thinking and creating even more stress and strain in her body than she already was by her her habitual thinking that was going on and on and on and on so Obviously, it got worse and worse and worse to the point where she ended up 20 hours in bed. Um, and, my, and my question around this is this, because I know, I know also on your bio that you also have an eating disorder, which is something that I've been through too. And, and recently, I, I had a bit of an insight around that. It's actually what kept me alive. So I'm curious about how you see that for yourself now in terms of your chronic fatigue if if we were to take the label away that it's a, an illness and we were to look at it from the perspective of if the body's wisdom is always working and it creates something for us to learn from yeah, and sharing these stories around, well, yeah, you know, this woman um, was in bed and she was in that space. Um, how does that, how could that relate to what you went through? Yeah, what comes to mind as you're speaking there actually is is that it was almost for me it felt like it was almost like my body just needed to rest. Right. And I never let it do that because I was right. so like I I was always doing something. I was always pushing myself. I was always forcing everything. And and so I really never had the time to just listen deeply to myself. 
And I think that was one of the things that I realized with the, with the principles was, and I don't know that that's necessarily something that you can explain. It's more of a sense thing. It's like, we just need to more deeply listen. And as I had all of that space all of a sudden, which felt really deeply uncomfortable at first, it was like, actually I needed it. And so my body was basically just saying, no, stop, just stop for a minute. <laughs> just, uh, just relax. Just, and, and it, but it was for me, the problem was I didn't want to do that. I didn't want right. to accept that. Sure. So the, the problem was the, the gap between, you know, expectation and reality at that point. So then, then it became about a deeper acceptance and about deeply accepting that this was where I was. And, you know, we're human. We, I think we in society have a lot of expectations of ourselves, you know, particularly I talk a lot about the self-help industry and, and I think the self-help industry can set us up for kind of trying to be perfect, trying to make everything seem really positive and, and, and so that was what I think I was kind of finding myself in was, was this need to kind of strive and be perfect instead of seeing that, you know, we're human and it's, it's not something to be scared of. Hmm. But I love the fact that um, there is wisdom even in something like chronic fatigue that's there to mm-hmm. kind of show us something about ourselves and what we need to do and we're out of balance. So I remember um, being really ugh, like so much um, morning sickness. I wouldn't even call it morning sickness. It's just like constant sickness when I was pregnant. Yeah. And it floored me. And literally I would just spend hours in bed because I was so tired. Yeah. But it, but later on I realized that um, it was a massive blessing because I actually had some really profound insights while I was lying in, my, in the bed, you know, yeah. creating a baby inside of me. Um, yeah. And luckily for me, I was able to do that. And I realized that actually that was the body's way of going, hey, slow down. You cannot actually conceive this child unless you are doing exactly what you're meant to do which is rest and of course I hadn't rested for years and I kept on and I kept on and I kept striving and I kept striving and I kept striving and I got to the point where I got pregnant I was like oh (laughs) I can't actually move yeah Um, maybe there's something in this that we learn yeah Yeah. but since since what I've noticed is that anytime I get way too revved up anytime I throw myself out again into the wrong direction um I'm kindly reminded of that through my body and Mm -hmm. and recently once again um I'm starting to feel quite tired again and I'm like oh okay so I need to slow down again even more so than I thought I was so it's just amazing versus what you were saying is being so scared of this illness that we have or this you know what our body is telling us but actually if we truly listen to the wisdom of it we would find that there's so much um to learn from that and it's our body's way of sharing information with us that we need to hear yeah and I think what I did hear actually was also that my life that I had been living wasn't really what I wanted it to be in a way. So I had very much found myself on the hamster wheel of, you know, getting a a master's degree, going into a career and just constantly, you know, working really, really hard. And I think I had about three jobs at the time. So it's no wonder I was kind of burnt out. But what actually I, I really wanted to be doing was, was traveling and not that, not that that kind of, you know, when, when we get into the three principles, we realize it's not the external that impacts us, but there was, there was, it was almost like, 
I wasn't in my joy. And this gave me that opportunity to kind of refocus. And and I actually, I didn't suit working for someone else. And, and I'm self-employed and very creative. And so it gave me the opportunity to then jump into what I'd always actually wanted to do. And I'd always wanted to study complementary therapies and kind of all of that sort of stuff. So it was actually really great to be able to, it didn't feel that way at the time, (laughs) but it allowed me to kind of explore who I wanted to be in human form, I guess. Um, And that's why I kind of then ended up in Bali. Um, and, And in Bali, I was like a different person. It was like I was lit up. So yeah, it was, it was kind of really just following that wisdom, even to Bali, <laughs> which, um, which was, yeah, really interesting because I'd never have done that if I hadn't stopped. So that was just from deeper listening as well. Because I can imagine that if somebody doesn't know that their experience is only ever coming from the power of thought in the moment, which is what we're talking about here. And for those of you that actually haven't listened to any of the episodes yet, and this is your first time in doing so three principles that um that we're referring to is mind thought and consciousness but it really is one thing which is the power of thought taking form in the moment so if we think that our feelings are coming from everything else other than that we're more likely to be stressed and more likely not to listen to the wisdom that's deep inside of us um Mm -hmm. that's always there and so we tend to get up in our heads we tend to get kind of get worried oh my god i've got like this illness this is awful 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 versus actually going what's the body actually really telling me what does it what do i need to know that i'm actually not seeing right now and how is my body actually you know doing that for me because i what do you take what's your take on this i mean do you see now like that any time like the the body is is an incredible vehicle for communication yeah yeah for sure and i think even now you know if i if i get ill now so like i had a migraine earlier this week and and initially i i still fall back into that oh i've got a migraine you know why is this and and getting anxious and then i i see it for what it is so it's like nowadays i have a much lighter experience of whatever i'm kind of suffering with or whatever i would have suffered with before because now i see you know before i would have really latched onto that migraine and kind kind of tried to figure it out and analyze in i would have just made the migraine worse whereas now i see that i'm doing that i'm like oh okay that's interesting where are these thoughts coming from and actually it doesn't really matter I've just got a migraine right now <laughs> I just need to rest <laughs> and uh yeah it's so so much easier because it moves on through so much faster yeah yeah especially if it's I mean um, um, I mean obviously chronic is something that seems to come and yeah. you know keep going and going and there's there's really no fix for it right there's just symptoms that show up um but from what I've understood in the body, you know, it's crazy. Apparently, you know, we're only supposed to experience stress 30 minutes a day. That's it. Like that's tops. Um, beyond that, the body starts to compensate. So what it does, it turns off genes that are supposed to be working and um, it just compensates. So it doesn't work in the way that it should. And in so doing, you've got a hike up in epinephrine, you've got cortisol levels that are going through the roof. And of course, the body has to adapt to that, but it's not supposed to. Um, yeah. Which is like, that's, yeah. that's not leaving the space for our bodies to do the healing of whatever it is that's wrong. In yeah. The yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, it's so easy for us to get, especially type A women who are very much strivers, who very much want to get things done, who who have this sense of achievement um, and 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 we wear it like a badge. And I'm, I'm saying we because I I have a tendency to be that way. Um, so in terms of now, like, um, how are you seeing that? differently to the way that you were before i know you've mentioned that oh you've just got a migraine and it just moves on but have you seen more around that in terms of the mind body connection um and the wisdom that's there Hmm, that's a good question um just thinking about what comes to mind i think for me it's it's very much about kind of accepting and and I'm writing a book at the moment and I talk about kind of befriending our suffering because we can find an acceptance of our suffering as well. So even when we're in our chronic pain, um, there are still things that can light us up and take our our focus away from from whatever it is. And, And for me, it was very much about seeing that the more that we spend time thinking about how ill we are as well, the more we're keeping ourselves suffering. Um, so I notice for me, even when I am suffering now, I kind of point in a different direction and, and look, look kind of upstream, if that makes sense. <laughs> because I think for me, that's kind of pointing back to wisdom. And in doing so, I definitely think that those symptoms become less of a focus, but they also kind of manage themselves it was like I used to spend so much time managing my experience of being ill like I would work out how much energy I got left and whether I could do certain things on that day because I'd got so much to do and and sometimes I find myself falling back into that but I see that actually I I realized even the other day like the things that I do in my day if they light me up I can do them all day um but if if I'm kind of not so inspired by them (laughs) or, you know, if I'm spending a lot of time thinking about my pain, then I have less, I can do less things, but, but I I have a lot of thinking or I used to have a lot of thinking about managing my energy. Mm. Whereas now I kind of have a bit of a more fluid relationship with that. Yeah. I love that. I love the fact that there isn't this attachment to the energy itself. So it's like, you know, um, when was the last time I had energy? Oh, I should be conserving it. I remember getting very, very obsessed by um, this too, actually. There was a time when when um, I had Leo and I was just exhausted all of the time and it became worse because I kept getting obsessed by the amount I was sleeping and wasn't sleeping and um, I didn't realise it was making it worse. So I couldn't do yoga just because I was exhausted and there's so many things that I couldn't do at the time. Um, And then one day I realized I heard something which totally, not even lack of sleep can give you a feeling. And I was like, what? And then um, I realized I'd made lack of sleep the enemy. And um, all of that thinking just left and I had this incredible surge of energy and like for two days I'm bouncing off the walls going, oh my God, all this energy's come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It was about the lack of sleep. It was yeah. always about the amount of thinking I had about the lack of sleep or about yeah. the... And of course, the, the more thinking we've got about it, the less energy there is. It's- right, exactly. It's never about the lack of sleep, is it? It's always going to yeah. be around the amount of thinking that we have. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, funny enough, when I was in Bali, because I wasn't thinking so much, you know, I was doing a yoga training and very much not in my head, much more in my body and really kind of tuned into, I guess, wisdom. (laughs) Um, I didn't have a lot of thinking and and I had so much more energy and it was, it was kind of surprising to me at the time because I, I'd gone from basically being absolutely exhausted in the UK to in Bali doing, you know, handstands. And, and I remember at the end of the, at the end of the course, we climbed a mountain and I mean, for a start, that was a, that was a great challenge for me in the first place because I'm scared of heights and I, I don't do mountains, but I managed to get right the way to the top. And I remember just thinking, you know, I, I don't know how I've done that because the week before, you know, the month before when I'd been at home, I just would never have imagined that I could have done that. And it was, it was so interesting. But as soon as I got back down the mountain, I had a lot of thinking about, oh my God, I've overdone it. And, you know, I, I ache and I feel really ill. And I went straight back into all of that. And, and I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you ache, Nicole, but so do I, we've just climbed a mountain. (laughs) And I realized in that moment, I'd forgotten what normal felt like because Mm. I would made up that I was just not normal anymore. Mm. Mm. I'm curious also like, you know, in terms of the people around you, um, because I'm just, I'm kind of just reflecting on, situation that happened here in Javier where I was in the coffee shop and there was this grandfather of this child who has ME chronic fatigue and they were making they were all best intention um they were really worried right so they were just really really worried and I'm curious about that like if there are people around you in your life where kind of exacerbated that like it was yeah actually not very helpful although incredible intention yeah totally meant from the right place no definitely and I think you know like all mums my mum worries a lot about me and so as soon as there's anything that's slightly wrong with me (laughs) or something that is you know if I'm ill she'll be like oh my goodness you need to get yourself to a doctor and you know sort that out and it's like oh and then I go into this like oh my god you know I need to fix this what's going on like I I need and and then I realize no it's so you're you're totally right and and I think Again, in Bali, it was very different. They they almost kind of pointed me back to, no, you know, you're absolutely fine. And I'd not kind of had that before. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting. And I love love that point because I'd not thought about that before, but it's definitely very true is that we take so much from what other people think um, as well and try and make meaning of that. And really, you know, everybody's still in their little own little thought bubbles and, probably just operating from a place of caring. Yeah, I really hear that. And and we've got a whole bunch of opinions about, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to do it, where to go, who to see, yeah. all for, coming from a place of really good intent. And then yeah, I've also... When I, when I had chronic fatigue, actually, no matter who you would meet, they would always suggest some kind of fix for it. And I kind of tried them all. Like there, you know, there were so many different things that I tried. If somebody had told me to wear purple socks, I would have worn purple socks if that would have made me feel better. And so when, when you are kind of operating in that world, 
I think for me, what was interesting was I had always accepted the, the label of anxious in my life. So I cast myself as an anxious person. Um, and to an extent, I accepted the label chronic fatigue, but it, there was a part of me that didn't. It was like there was a part of me within that knew that that wasn't me. You know, it wasn't me for life. I wasn't, I never accepted the label. And, and I think that was interesting to see because with anxiety, although I then saw through that, um, you know, because I don't really believe in labels, I think we can attribute labels to ourselves. So I very much thought I was anxious until I realized I wasn't anxious. Like who I was fundamentally was not anxious. I wasn't born anxious. It was just that I had a whole bunch of anxious thinking going on, which created anxious feelings. And, and it was the same with the, with the label of chronic fatigue. There was this little voice deep down somewhere, which I guess is wisdom saying, you know, no, this isn't, you know, we don't need to label it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the same token, sometimes, you know, labels can actually be useful just to kind of go, where, where are we at? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but not to be fixed, not to be fixated on the label as in, Mm. oh that's what's going on but I'm not the label yeah um, and yeah for me when I was using the label I was using it as a, oh I've got this and I need to yeah. do this right yeah 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 I need to <laughs> fix that label <laughs> something wrong with me there's something wrong with me yeah because I guess what comes to mind is um if if somebody would have come over and uh chop off an arm you'd still be who you are yeah yeah you'd still be Nicole and your essence would still be the same if they came over and chopped off your leg you'd still be Nicole right yeah you'd have a whole lot of thinking about it possibly yes you might yeah (laughs) um but you'd still be you um versus because we get so attached to the vehicle that we're in yeah that it becomes who we are um and so in terms of like the people you work with, um, is there is there anyone that you focus on in terms of do you, do you have anyone that you worked with in terms of chronic fatigue or anything like that? That yeah, I've got a couple of um, chronic pain clients, and it's really lovely kind of exploring with them actually. Um, so I do one to ones and work with people um, in a group, and then uh, I work with people one to one. But I also I'm kind of looking at group work and and um, yeah, it's it's really lovely to explore with, with people because everybody's unique as well and we all have different insights and so it's kind of nice to to explore with people, I think, in a partnership and see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And so what have you found in terms of that? Like have you have you been surprised by by some of the results or have you been inspired by by what's happened? I mean, have there been some, you know, interesting stories around that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, I think very much like I probably would have been when I first kind of came across it. And it's, it's like, we feel very stuck with illness. And I think it's because it's something that we can't necessarily change. And so a lot of the work with it is kind of very much about kind of acceptance and seeing, seeing that relationship with resistance. And, and because I think the more we resist something, like we were talking about, you know, the more we resist something and, and think about it more, 
the more difficult it is. And it's, it's just helping people have that lighter relationship with it. And I think one of the things that does help is pointing towards that joy, pointing back towards what is it that, you know, with all this going on, there's still joy somewhere. And so exploring that seems to be very helpful. It's like, well, where is, where is the wisdom? What, where is the, the joy? And I think one of my clients actually emailed me last week and, and said that they had heard something in Bill Pettit's talk, um, which was about joy. Cause we had had a whole conversation about joy and, and, you know, following what lights us up. And I think um, they then heard Bill Pettit say something about spending more time in love and lightness um, she was like, that's, you know, that's what we were talking about. And I was like, yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, he, it's funny. He says, if you haven't laughed by 12 o'clock, you're taking life way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seriousness is to our life, like helping fungus grow in a dark room. Yeah. Um, whereas light and joy is, is like the sun yeah. to the room. It gets rid of the fungus. And, um, yeah, it's really true. And, you know, something that he, something that I, I heard a few months back that, that kind of made sense to me is, um, is a story about a lady who, um, was suffering with depression or so she thought. Mm. And, um, she goes, yeah, you know, the only thing that lights me up is when my, my kid, my grandkids are here. Like I, I feel so, so happy to see them. And, and what she hadn't realized was that when they, it had nothing to do with the grandkids. It's just yeah. her focus had changed. Yeah. She'd, focus, she, she'd gone from focusing on her, I'm so depressed. This is awful. I need to get myself out of here. Um, I must do something about it. If I don't yeah. do something about it, something awful is going to happen. Um, I've been like this for years to, oh my God, there are my grandkids. <laughs> yeah. And it really looks like it's the grandkids that it's coming from, but it's nice to remind people that that feeling is still coming from you. Um, yeah. And, and that can be recreated with whatever lights you up in the same way as well. Yeah. yeah very, very true. Yeah. It's just <laughs> following, following those nice feelings is, and I think one of the things that I talk about a lot is kind of self-rediscovery. Mm. So at the moment I have a self-rediscovery summit, which explores a range of different topics mm. um, with lots of different speakers kind of sharing their stories. And, and that's really to help people kind of dive into, you know, people always resonate with what, what topic they're kind of suffering with. Um, but for me, it's about kind of exploring really who we are beyond all of the thought and, and how we can how we can get back to that, if that makes sense, how we can rediscover that wisdom, um, which is just another word for joy in my, in my mind. Um, and, and, and it's, but it's also for me about kind of playing in the humanness of it, because although we understand that, you know, who we are is so much greater than being human, we are still human as well. And it's like, we do still have to live in this human body and, and, and have a human experience. So for me, it's like, yeah, what, what can we do to, enjoy that as well <laughs> yeah and I you know going back to something you said earlier on about you know accepting the suffering and and embracing it you know there's something to be said I don't know about you Nicole but um the most amount of learning and growth that I ever experience is when I'm actually in the suffering yeah so while we talk about how do I get myself out yeah 
to me, the conversation that started to happen in my head is actually, what can I learn from this? Because the most amount of growth is always done when I'm actually in a space of not seeing things clearly at all. Um, And I have some really profound and deep insights into the nature of of where things are coming from when I'm not in a good space. Yeah. Something to be, I don't know, like there's a, there's a sense that it's, we can really respect the suffering and actually not necessarily make it who we are. No. But to hold it with lightness and somehow see it as a trance, an opportunity of an upgrade or a transformation because I, I know that every time that that feeling comes that there is something for me to see. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, it's also about learning that we were kind of built for that. We were built because if if we didn't suffer at some point in our lives, we wouldn't be human. That would just be weird if (laughs) if we were always all okay. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's for me, it was learning not to be afraid of that experience. Like Sydney Banks said, you know, if any world could see that we didn't need to be afraid of our experience and that we kind of need all of the colors of the rainbow and all of the rich richness of it. That was another thing that I, I began to see because I'd always been so terrified. And I realized through the whole thing that I was built to deal with it. And my body had its own wisdom, just like my mind has, it has its own wisdom as well. To the point where it can shut itself off and have you sitting in a wheelchair yeah. to, um, to stop you from, to slow you down and keep going, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing really, isn't it? Yeah. When you say it from that perspective, it is incredible um, how everything is communicating. I mean, I, I have a dog and every morning she goes downstairs and she puts her nose against the lead. <laughs> um, I mean, for those of you that can't see me what I'm doing I'm literally she taps on the lead so she wants to go for a walk <laughs> and yesterday she was she was I was eating and she came up to me and she just kept doing this right she kept putting her nose underneath my armpit and like, what, what do you want what do you want oh she's so annoying and I suddenly went oh I opened the front door and she just ran out she obviously needed a pee yeah yeah. But interestingly enough, we do this all the time where I was like, oh, she's so annoying. Yeah. Versus going, actually, what is she communicating to me? Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, she needs to pee. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it is. It's amazing. Mm. Mm. <laughs> So, Nicole, if somebody wants to contact you, and um, how can they do that? Yeah, well, um, I've, I've got my website. So that is um, www.nicolebarton, which is N-I-C-O-L-E-B-A-R-T-O-N.co.uk. Um, and there's loads of free resources on there as well. So um, there's the Self-Rediscovery Summit, which is free. Um, that's going on until the end of March. And um, and yeah, just drop me an email through, through there, really, or through the contact form um, is the best way. And I'm always open to kind of having a chat with people as well to see what we can explore together um but yeah <laughs> there's lots of different things and I, I write poetry as well so there's poems in there and also amazing <laughs> yeah yeah 
Well, thank you so much for coming on, Nicole. It was lovely to have you here. And for those of you that have been on, I hope you got as much out of it as I did. I know that there was a lot of wisdom in what Nicole was saying. And it's amazing what our bodies can can be telling us versus what we tell ourselves about the body, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And until the next time, bye-bye for now. And there we have it, another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about the Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina at marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? So until next week's episode... Remember, you are the joy you seek.